Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We're not necessarily experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while also finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm Bryce Johnson coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We will talk to Harrison Zuckerberg in just a moment. He is in Texas, and so we've got a lot to get into as we wrap up week five and, and all the takeaways from week five and then shift our attention to week six and the rest of the season. And as you uh, continue to listen to our show, uh, we do try to focus on the big picture of fantasy and, and looking at the whole season, but especially with bye weeks coming up, there are a lot of decisions that we have to make kind of in a vacuum a little bit. This, this week's lineup changes and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, with some injuries, especially it seems like a lot of injuries are the, the three to four week type of injuries this year. And, and so today we will dive into the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook and discuss injuries in fantasy as well as in life and, and how there is a parallel between the two. Uh, so hopefully that will be encouraging for all of us uh, today because the reality is we're all facing injuries, most likely in fantasy, but definitely in life, uh, either now or, they, or we just came out of a tough season or there will be a season uh, around the corner that will be challenging. So that's, uh, that's definitely always worth unpacking and, and taking a look at what the Bible has to say uh, about the, the challenges that we face. Also on today's show, we will do accountability. We will look at the waiver wire. Uh, we will look at some guys that, that it's finally time to, to let go of through five weeks. It's time to give up, <laughs> release them and cut them from your team. We'll, we'll list a couple of those guys. And, and then uh, we'll also do our peace and panic segment as well but we'll begin with i'm convinced harrison uh no actually no let's start with fantasy shenanigans because last night in monday night football we got to get to this because it was a wild night for fantasy owners because it was a full swing of emotions based on the first half with the colts dominating and then the ravens dominating in the second half and i know that so many people went to bed thinking that their fantasy outcome was one way <laughs> and it, it totally flipped in the second half. So Harrison, how are you? How did you handle Monday night and how did, uh, how did it affect your final results for your fantasy teams? I'm doing great, Bryce. Uh, luckily I was on the winning side of one of those Monday night flips. So going into the game last night, I was up by 11 points on the uh, guy that I was playing, but he had, Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker for the Colts, playing last night. And I think it was about the fourth quarter where Blankenship had scored eight points so far, and I was only up, I think it was by less than three points. So if he kicked one more field goal for the rest of the game, I was going to lose. 
Now, early in the first quarter, I think it was on the drive right before the Ravens come back. He had like a 30-something yarder he was going to kick. I was sweating it. Ravens block the kick. Yes. And, and I was relieved. And that was even minus one points, which helped a little bit more. Um, and then they go down the field, obviously, and they score, and it goes to overtime. So I'm feeling a little bit more confident. And then, or no, it didn't go to overtime yet. It was, they got the ball back with like 30 seconds left and Carson Wentz led them down the field for like a 45 yarder. And that one, because it was worth four points would have sunk me too. And he missed that one also. So two missed field goals at the end of the game saved my fantasy victory. And obviously the Ravens scored an overtime to win. But for those two kicks, I had never been so nervous watching a fantasy <laughs> football matchup on my phone, seeing like the live track going back and forth. It was just terrifying. Um, like the block kick and then the miss at the end, it was just it was perfect, but I never want to have to win that way again. It was it was oh. too emotional. Wow, that's a lot. For for me, I went into Monday night actually tied with with my neighbor, uh, believe it or not. And and so he had Mark Andrews. I had Jonathan Taylor. In the first half, Jonathan Taylor's lighting it up. I'm loving life, feeling good. I know he went to bed because he gets up early. And I stayed up to watch the game last night. And all of a sudden, in the second half, Mark Andrews uh, comes back. You know, where, where has he been this whole season? He hasn't been an elite tight end. And then last night in the second half, he was unbelievable. And so uh, he actually outscored Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor was still great. But I ended up losing uh, because of Mark Andrews, and then in the uh, in my other league, I ended up winning by .5 because Jonathan Taylor had such a monster game, and and so uh, that was uh, the, the highlight for me with with Jonathan Taylor uh, playing so well. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a little bit. But but thankful to uh, to at least get the the win. Uh, but a bummer to get the the loss because of uh, Mark Andrews. Any other fantasy shenanigans? from the weekend yeah so Jacoby Myers was one of my sleeper wide receivers for this year because I thought he was gonna be the number one target for New England and he has he's seventh in the NFL in receptions you know I play him in my slot or in my uh my my flex slot or backup wide receiver if someone gets hurt um and he scores like 10 to 15 points a week very reliable but he never has the big game because he cannot catch a touchdown. And I had to start him this I had to start him this week because I had a bunch of injuries in uh, one of my leagues and he was tackled on the one yard line. I just think it's impossible for him to score a touchdown. He cannot do it. He's oh. the only player in NFL history to have had 168 targets and 116 receptions in his career with no touchdown. He's like been an involved wide receiver since he's been in the league, but has never caught a touchdown for some reason. And I don't know when it's going to happen or if it will ever happen. You know, it's amazing in fantasy football how there is this this category of players or two different categories. One, guys that only score touchdowns. And it may may only happen once every four weeks or, or whatever, but you get all excited because they're a red zone threat. Oftentimes it's tight ends, you know, of course, a fullback or something random like that. But but there are guys that like consistently score touchdowns throughout the season, and then they never catch the ball otherwise. And then you mentioned a guy like Myers who puts up the huge yardage, he gets catches, and then when it comes to the, the red zone, he's nowhere to be found. And there are other guys like that, and it's very hard for us as fantasy owners to figure out, you know, okay, is it is it worth putting them in? Is this the week they score, 
or is this the week that he actually gets a touchdown and he catches a bunch of passes? So that's just yeah, right. Robert thing. Woods. Robert Woods yeah. has frustrated fantasy yes. receivers forever because same thing with Robbie Anderson last year. Yes. They'd have a hundred catches and a thousand yards, but they'd only have like three touchdowns on the season. You'd have him as your number two receiver, and you're like, well, I can't be, I can't bench him or be mad that he scored eleven points, but. I have someone on my bench who scored 17 because they caught two touchdowns on only like three receptions. And it's just that pain of like, oh, he's too good to bench, but he's just not scoring the touchdowns to get the elite fantasy production that you want. I know. It's a wild thing. It really is. So uh, let us know your fantasy shenanigans, any uh, last second Monday Night Football situations that took place. I know another uh, matchup in my league. They were like the two highest scorers of the week. And they were going back and forth between Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. And it ultimately Mark Andrews was a little bit better. So uh, the champ continued to be undefeated, which, uh, which was unfortunate, but, uh, but anyway, uh, a lot, yeah, a lot rode rode on last night. No, no question about it. All right. We'll, we'll start here with, uh, with I'm convinced and I've got two for you. Uh, first off, I'm convinced that I totally downplayed and overlooked James Robinson. And Part of it was I just wanted to avoid Jacksonville for the most part this year. Uh, I, I was confused by the Travis Etienne pick, and so I chose not to keep James Robinson. And I'm convinced that through five weeks, this was a poor decision on my part. And actually, Harrison advised me this summer to keep James Robinson, and I instead decided to keep TJ Hawkinson. And that has been a disappointment. So James Robinson... 18 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. As bad as Jacksonville has been, he's actually been very reliable and consistent. And basically, he's done what he did last year. So regardless of the coaching staff, regardless of the quarterback, he's been the guy. And, and of course, ETN going out allowed him to, to, I think, thrive. Now, if ETN was there this year, I don't think he would be doing this. Um, so it's hard to kick myself too bad on in that regard. But I am convinced James Robinson is a legit NFL fantasy running back and good for him. He's a likable guy because he's, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, undrafted type of player. I'm also convinced this year's rookie quarterbacks will not win you your fantasy championship. None of the five. We had all five start this past week and uh, uh, five or six was Mills. Was Mills the fifth one? Mills Uh, was a rookie, just wasn't taken in the first round. Yeah, but we had all five first round. Yeah, so six rookies, right? Six total, yes. Six total rookies. I mean, that's unbelievable. So none of those six, though, are going to win you a championship the way Justin Herbert potentially did last year because he came, you know, you picked him up off of waivers in week, I guess it was week one last year, and he he blew everybody out of the water, huge numbers, uh, and it was great. I just don't see any of those guys getting to that level and doing enough consistently to really carry your fantasy league. Trevor Lawrence is going to have some nice weeks here or there, but the inter- interceptions hurt you. Mac Jones isn't going to score enough. He's not going to score enough. He's a good player, not going to score enough. Uh, you know, your boy Justin Fields, not running enough. Uh, Trey Lance, not passing enough. Uh, and Mills is actually doing okay, but it's Houston. And so Houston just isn't good enough. So uh, so there you go. That, that's what I'm convinced of. I've got a couple of those guys on a few rosters, but but not real uh, confident that that I can start any of those guys and let them let them carry me. So what else, what are you convinced of this week? 
So talking about San Francisco as well, obviously I was disappointed in Trey Lance because he did what I said he was going to. He had 90 rushing yards this week, but still just the passing wasn't there for fantasy. So, you know, maybe next year he's a guy who can be an elite fantasy quarterback. uh, But this year, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, a running back who I was super high on, I know you were pretty high on as well, Trey Sermon. A lot of people thought he was going to go and take over and become the starter in San Francisco. But I'm convinced that, the dreams, the fantasy community's dream of Trey Sermon being relevant is officially over. Wow, you know, five when weeks in. Five weeks in, and, and it's tough because this was a guy who was drafted pretty highly with the hopes that he would become the starter at some point, and he did. For the last two weeks, he was the starter when Elijah Mitchell was out, and he performed pretty well. You know, he he had he didn't catch a ton of passes, but rushing wise, he was he performed pretty well as a running back. And then this week, I thought maybe he'd be incorporated a little bit with Elijah Mitchell's return. One carry for seven yards. I think San Francisco has given up on him at least for this season, and I think you probably should too as a fantasy owner. I think he's worth dropping at this point, and it really pains me to say that, but I think the dream is officially dead of Trey Sermon having any sort of value in fantasy football. Oh, you know, it's funny. Normally, I avoid the 49ers backfield and the Patriots backfield other than James White. That's been my kind of strategy or philosophy over the years because it's always a mess like there there are always productive players but you're you're throwing darts to guess who it's going to be each week and and each season type of thing but this year I bought into Damian Harris which we'll talk about later and now it seems a little messy in New England and then in San Francisco I I picked up Elijah Mitchell uh I saw you know I, I like the idea of Sermon I was with you on that and and I even Part of me thought, ah, oh, Mostert is kind of valuable uh, or underrated, but it just the whole thing is just messy. And so it's just a nightmare in San Francisco. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm ready to move on from uh, from that backfield for sure. So uh, any anything else? What else are you convinced of? So another thing I'm convinced of uh, that I think we'll need to reevaluate this offseason is our draft strategy on tight ends. Ooh. So both you and I were very you know adamant that you need to go get one of the top tight ends early, yep. even though it will hurt you like spending a second or third round pick on them. It will be worth it. But now looking at the tight ends this year and how they've performed outside of Kelsey in the first round, which still was a steep price to pay. So you might still be regretting that it's been tough with these early tight ends. I mean, Waller's been okay. We look at Hawkinson, someone we were both a big fan of had those huge week one and week two. And I'm pretty sure has scored under 10 points the next three weeks since then. And he's been disappointing if you've started him those last three weeks. I mean, Mark Andrews had a big game last night, but has been inconsistent. Uh, and, and then Kittle obviously was not good when he was starting and is now injured. And you look at guys oh. like Gronk, um, you know, my guy Knox on the Bills, and then Dalton Schultz are three tight ends who went undrafted in a lot of leagues, but are currently in the top five in scoring for tight ends on the fantasy season so far. So as I'm looking at my roster right now, especially ones where I have Hawkinson and Kittle, I found that I've picked up tight ends like Knox anyways, so they're already on my roster, but I'm really wishing that I had a third running back, you know, with that third round or second round pick who's more reliable than that top tight end now. And obviously it's early when you see how the season goes, but I think this might be a trend maybe for next year in fantasy to look ahead of maybe passing on these top tight ends, getting a running back. Cause we know how often running backs get injured. We see David Montgomery go down, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire go down. Chris Carson's been injured. You need running backs and maybe waiting for, you know, 
the first or second week of the season to see who breaks out at tight end and then just riding them for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I'm very frustrated because I went all in on Hawkinson and Kittle. That was what I did. Those are my two tight ends basically in, in six different leagues. And and so uh, it's very frustrating because they're underachieving. But I don't know what to make of it yet because I still want to see those guys that you mentioned, you know, the Schultz and uh, I, I'll talk about Knox in a little bit. But, uh, you know, Gronk, is he going to come back healthy? So there still are some question marks. I don't know if we're totally convinced that as, as to – who will be the top five at the end of the year. But I think your theory or concern questioning our strategy is definitely worth bringing up. Um, you know, Kittle injury is hard to, to predict, but but yeah, but I think he was playing through an injury. That was part of why he wasn't as productive. Um, and then in Detroit, it's just kind of a mess there. Like they're, they're, they're playing tough, but the offense, there's no, we don't, there's no consistency. We don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like they haven't, they have no identity. Goff's new. We don't know who he favors. Hawkinson was unbelievable in the first one or two games, and now he's disappeared. It's like, and he's banged up too. He's playing through an injury. So he's been questionable each week. So I still think there's some, we got to see how things play out with, with the top tight ends. You know, Darren Waller, uh, another guy up there, a little bit up and down, trying to figure, you know, kind of gauge if he's going to be an elite tight end this season. Um, and of course, everything with Oakland or uh, Las Vegas, that's a disaster. So, um, but yeah, and then Mark Andrews, he was probably the fifth tight end taken this year. Um, and then Kyle Pitts, who we'll talk about later too. So yeah, the tight end position is just a wild, wild position, hard to figure out, and it makes it challenging. If you get any production from your tight end one week, you probably win because you're probably outscoring your opponent in a big way because they could get three points. So it's nice to have that advantage. All right. Good stuff from Harrison. We'll uh, we'll jump into the fantasy football fellowship playbook, and then we'll get we'll get back to Harrison. We, we've got uh, our accountability segment. We've got peace or panic coming up as well. Uh, so we're loaded today uh, here on the the podcast. But we always love you know getting a little encouragement from the playbook. Uh, wrote this for fantasy owners to find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season, and so this week is all about the setback from injuries. And Harrison just mentioned a few running backs that are banged up. Juju Smith-Schuster, Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, even uh, Kelsey's a little banged up. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's got a lot of issues uh, with with injuries at this point in the season. And, you know, some guys are playing through it. Other guys are are put on that short-term IR. Uh, We haven't seen a ton of season-ending injuries quite yet. A few here or there. Uh, But but most have been in that three- to six-week type of range but it, but it makes it tough for us. We're, we're scrambling to pick up guys that who's healthy, who's going to play this week. You know, where it comes to the, the last minute each week of who we're going to pick up. But the, the idea that as fantasy owners going into the season, we try to avoid, you know, injury prone players. We try to avoid, you know, guys that we knew were banged up in the off season. But the reality is if you play fantasy football, you're going to deal with injuries. Somebody on your roster throughout the year is going to get injured. And so we can't be delusional thinking that our guys will never deal with some sort of injury throughout the year. The same is true in life. We, we know that in this world, on this earth, we are not free from pain, suffering, disappointment, missed opportunities. And you know the reality is God absolutely blesses us, his children, and allows us to enjoy life but he never tells us that we won't experience setbacks and tough situations. It's a part of this life. Just like in fantasy, injuries are a part of the season. And, and so 
it, it doesn't mean that we, uh, you know, we talked about panic. We don't panic when the injuries come. We we respond. We persevere. We bounce. You know, we we bounce back and and, and keep going. Um, but we are going to suffer. And so, making the decision to follow Jesus isn't so that we will have good health and lots of wealth, but the reality that we need a savior and that that we have this desire to grow and become more like him. And so we continue to follow him and trust him. And so although we wish that we could completely avoid every struggle and trial and challenge, these are used to refine us and strengthen us and deepen our faith and deepen our character or change our character and, and mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus. And, and so, you know, in the fantasy season, injuries allow us to, you know, test our, our, our fantasy ability to go find a, a good player on the waiver wire, to make a trade or two. Uh, it, it, it reveals how we prepare during the draft to, to respond to injuries so that we would have enough depth. Um, and so the same is true in life, that, that we, <laughs> we don't root for injuries to happen or setbacks or difficulties or challenges, but, but we prepare by strengthening our faith along the way, right? We continue to, to read God's word. We continue to pray. We continue to surround ourselves with great community and fellowship so that when the setbacks come, we can handle them uh, better than we would without it. And, and so uh, ultimately, we, uh, we know that, that when heartache and suffering come, we can cling to Jesus. And what it says in John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in the end, we know that we win that we get eternity with God, that we've been forgiven for our sin, that, that he, has, he has rescued us and saved us, and that he conquered death and sin on the cross. And so we, we, do, we do win ultimately. And so in the meantime, in this life with difficulty, we can have peace as we, as we find our peace in him. And so, um, you know, we shouldn't get caught off guard when, when life doesn't go our way. Um, and a couple other encouraging verses, uh, Romans 8.18 says, uh, this is Paul writing, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so the, 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 the glory ultimately that when we get to you know, fully experience Jesus for eternity uh, and, and, and all the glory that, that comes with uh, knowing him and being with him forever. Um, and then Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And, and so uh, as we consider our, our own personal struggles or injuries and weaknesses today, uh, let's remember that God's grace is all we need. And so let's boldly ask him to strengthen us so that we can suffer well for his glory and, and reveal to others that our hope and faith and trust is in him, regardless of the injuries and the setbacks that we may face in life and, and trust that God's using them for his purposes. He's using us, using them to change us and grow us and deepen our faith. And so in fantasy, let's not, let's not let the, the injuries, uh, you know, totally end our season, right? We keep going. We keep making moves. And uh, we, we trust in our, our, our limited fantasy understanding uh, to keep going. But thankfully in life, uh, we, we don't have to trust in ourselves. We trust in God uh, for sure. So there's your encouragement this week from the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. 
Um, so I hope that that, uh, regardless of what you're going through, is encouraging. Shout out to one of our, our loyal fantasy football owners and listeners of the podcast. Uh, his wife broke, broke her leg over the weekend. Uh, so it's a true injury that, that they're going through and they got two young kids and it was a scary situation. And um, so we're praying for him and, and his family. And so uh, a lot of people are struggling right now. A lot of, a lot of tough things going on. So when we talk about injuries, we don't take it lightly. Uh, people at the different stages of life are going through a lot. And so we're, uh, we're right there with you. We're, we're walking the journey with you here on this podcast, a part of uh, unpacking it. And uh, so please reach out to us if you, if you have prayer requests and, and, and your own setbacks and injuries that you're facing. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. All right, Harrison, time for a little accountability and confession. Where were we wrong? Where did we miss? I'll, 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 uh, I'll let you start. You, you, get us, you get us rolling. So last week we talked about, you know, guys who were having slow starts this season that we would not trade for because we didn't think they were going to turn it around. And one of the guys that we mentioned was Miles Gaskin running back for the Dolphins. And this week he completely proved us wrong and broke out. You know, going going into this week, I'd even seen that some people had dropped him in some of my fantasy leagues. No one wanted him. And he had more fantasy points this last week than he had the first four weeks combined. He had 31.6 fantasy points the first four weeks, 31.9 this week. 25 yards rushing, 10 receptions for 74 yards, and two touchdowns. So I don't know how long this is going to last in the grand scheme of things because he only had five carries, so he's not super involved in the running game. But at least for this week, I'm I'm accountable that I said Miles Gaskins was done, and he at least still has a little bit left in him. Uh, I don't know if he's consistent, but week to week, he may be a breakout potential guy. I, I don't know what to make of Miami. They're a weird team. And and now Tua, I guess, is coming back at some point, and we'll, so we'll see how that changes things. But I, they are they're a mystery. I don't. So I still don't want any of those guys on my team. But you're right, Gaskin was like, oh my goodness, look at that! Wow, he came alive. So good for him. Uh, where I've whiffed is on Dawson Knox. I, I I think in my head, over the years, Buffalo has always had these like random tight ends. And it's like they'll score a touchdown here or there. And it's like, yeah, I don't really trust them. And I think I just put Knox in that category. I can't remember the guy Buffalo had a couple years ago, but this is that, that's that, that, exactly he was nameless. So, but he would score a touchdown every once in a while. And so that's what I, I lumped Dawson Knox into, but he's legit. I mean, three catches, 117 yards, touchdown. He's done it the last few weeks in a row. The offense is unbelievable. So you were right. I was wrong on Dawson Knox, and I'm kicking myself because, uh, now that I'm, I'm Hawkinson and Kittle are letting me down, I got nowhere to turn. I got nowhere to turn. So any, anything else you wanted to uh, confess? Yeah, another tight end that we uh, got wrong was Kyle Pitts. I completely wrote him oh, off after his too. slow start to the season. Um, but he had a great week this week. Now, I don't know how much that will continue either because pretty much every single wide receiver for the Falcons was injured. Calvin Ridley was out. Russell Gage was out. So he was the only one who could catch the ball, him and Cordero Patterson. But he did the most with his opportunities, nine receptions, 119 yards and a touchdown. Um, so at least for now, which is actually kind of funny. I looked at my phone when I was talking about the tight ends earlier to see you know, who were the top 10 scoring tight ends this year. Last week before this game, Kyle Pitts was ranked outside the top 25 in tight ends. And now I think he's the number seven tight end in fantasy scoring just because of this one week. That's how unpredictable the tight end 
position has been this year. You have one good week and suddenly you're a top 10 tight end after being completely irrelevant for the first four weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing because you, you think uh, there are like 16 teams probably that don't even have a fantasy relevant tight end like at all. And then the other ones, the other 16, I'm just kind of guessing half the league type of thing that every once in a while they're fantasy relevant. So like we said earlier, it's just the, it's so hard to predict. Um, but not Knox has been consistent and now Pitts shows what he's capable of. But again, rookie tight ends, hard to trust. It is hard to trust, but we know the talent is there and the expectations are there. Calvin Ridley wasn't what, you know, wasn't out there. So, and they also played in London and they also played against the jets. So a lot of, a lot of factors went into Pitts's big game, but, but we'll give him give them credit for the, for the big game. All right. I want to debut a, a new uh, kind of mini segment here. Uh, I just, as I, as I was thinking about the show, uh, what are we encouraged by from the, from, from week five? What was just kind of encouraging to us as fantasy owners, something positive from, from the weekend. And for me, I was encouraged that the Colts offense finally woke up. Carson Wentz actually looked pretty good. He better. He was relevant, uh, through for gosh, 300 some yards and, and got multiple players involved uh, personally, Michael Pittman was huge for me, seven, uh, what do you have? Seven catches. Um, and so, uh, 89 yards, a touchdown. So, so very impressive from him. And then, uh, Jonathan Taylor, huge game for, for him getting in the end zone, uh, rushing and receiving, uh, 116 yards rushing, which is, which is huge. And then also I picked up Mo Alley Cox and, and he's a part of the offense, former basketball player. I like what he can do. So, so, so four catches is, is a positive step in the right direction as a backup tight end. And like, again, like we were talking about, we're just trying to guess who, who a good tight end might be. But I was encouraged with the step forward that the Colts had, even though they lost the game. What are you encouraged by today? So one thing that I was encouraged by, and this plays a little bit into the fantasy shenanigans, was the crazy game between the Browns and the Chargers, and specifically the Chargers side of things, because I invested heavily in the Chargers as a team this year. I have Mike Williams and I think three out of my four leagues that I'm in, Austin Eckler in a few leagues, and... You know, I was having a pretty bad fantasy week this week until that Chargers-Brown game. I was about to go 0-4 in fantasy this week, and then Mike Williams went crazy again for 30-something points and completely brought me back from the dead. In one league, I was down by like 70 points, and I had Williams and Eckler, and they scored a combined five touchdowns, which was just amazing. Um, and that was really encouraging, especially after Mike Williams lost me a few of my games last week with his yeah, two points and only one reception. But huge bounce back game for him. So that's encouraging, showing that, you know, last week was just a fluke that he is the wide receiver I thought he would be. And that Eckler is just going to conti- continue to keep rolling as a top three running back this year. Yes, I'm, I'm thrilled with Eckler. And, and like I said a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't take a lot for him to put up big numbers. He doesn't have to get a ton of touches he makes the most of what he gets, which is like the best case scenario. So it keeps him healthy and, and not overworked, which is great. All right, let's, uh, I know I know listeners want to hear some, some waiver wire suggestions and help uh, this time of year whoo, with the bye weeks. You're scrambling on the waiver wire, trying to figure out, okay, who can I plug in? Who can I pick up? We got some injury issues, some new guys, you know, popping up that now we're evaluating the, uh, the depth charts on, uh, on some certain teams. And, and, and I'll start, since we're uh, keeping the tight end theme going today, uh, tight ends on the waiver wire. 
and so we do this uh, segment called Investor Pass on the waiver wire. So I am investing in Hunter Henry. I actually started him last week. The, the thing about Hunter Henry is he has been a, a true fantasy tight end when healthy throughout his career. And New England has needed a tight end ever since Gronk left. Um, they were and nothing last year. And so they went out, they bought, you know, paid big money for him, brought him in, and they're using him. They're utilizing him. You know, we always hear the rookie, uh, rookie's best friend is a tight end. So we wonder, would it be John New Smith? Would it be Hunter Henry? Well, it's Hunter Henry. And I think you can feel pretty confident uh, that he's a starting, starting caliber tight end the rest of the way. So definitely invest in him. But what about David and Joku? How, how do you feel about him? Uh, Cleveland finally had a big game. Austin Hooper had like, I think maybe one good game earlier this year, but has then fizzled, even though they, they invested so much in him as the, their tight end when they already had in Joku, who was good a couple of years ago. So it's always been this, this mystery in Cleveland. Where do you come out on, on Njoku? Yeah, so I'm not the biggest fan of uh, David Njoku this season. And I think the reason why is just because every this one this one big week came specifically from one play. You know, weirdly enough right now, he's leading the Cleveland Browns in receiving yards, but is the fourth most targeted player on that team. And that's saying something because that team doesn't throw the ball a lot anyways. That's a team that really runs through the running backs. And, you know, he has 250 yards receiving and one touchdown so far this season, but pretty much a quarter of that production came off the 170 yard catch that he had this week. I don't know how many times you can count on him to have a 70 yard touchdown reception or any tight end to have a 70 yard touchdown reception during the season. So I am not a big fan of picking him up and, and, you know, hoping that he's going to have consistent production going forward. I would look to maybe someone else. The tight end that I like specifically for this week is Ricky Seals Jones on Washington. Now, you know, he's bounced around the league a little bit, and we know that Logan Thomas went down. But when he was in, he was targeted eight times this week, had four receptions. You know, Heineke looked towards him, and they are playing a terrible defense in Kansas City this week. <laughs> you know, I think it's really been, you know, understated how bad this defense is because I just want to like throw some numbers out here. Kansas City is currently allowing 7.1 yards per play. Now, to put into context how bad that is, that's worse than NFL history right now. To put how bad that really is, the 2013 Denver Broncos, when Peyton Manning broke every record and that offense broke every record for an NFL offense, only averaged 6.3 yards per play. So they wow. are allowing more offense than the greatest offense in history has ever been able to put up, which obviously <laughs> is something that you want in your fantasy matchups. So he's someone who I would look for this week to invest in. That's going a little bit more under the radar. All right. That's that. What a stat. That's, that's ridiculous. And uh, I mean, Buffalo lit up Kansas city, of course, on, on Sunday nights so that, that increased some of those numbers for sure. Um, all right. So the running back position, we're always looking for, for somebody. So with Saquon Barkley going down, are you heavily investing in Devonte Booker? And then in Kansas city with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire going out, you know, it's, you basically make the choice between Daryl Williams or Jarek McKinnon. Now I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I like McKinnon. So I will do my best to pick him up. Um, I wouldn't necessarily start him this week. I want to see it play out, but I just have a, a little bit of a hunch on McKinnon. So it, it, just because I've seen it with my eyes before, whereas Daryl Williams, he, he's, he's barely carried the ball. 
Uh, he's never had, I think, more than 13 carries in a game. So that, to me, isn't real reliable. Uh, but but where do you come out on these two situations? Yeah, so on the New York Giants situation, uh, I would look to pick up Devontae Booker. Now, and if you're in a league where you have to, you know, pay out of your budget for your waiver wire pickups, I wouldn't go and spend everything on him because, you know, um, yeah, just short term because Barkley's out only like three or four weeks. They're saying right now with the ankle sprain. So I don't think you can expect Devontae Booker to be relevant for the rest of the season, but I think definitely think he's worth a flex play. If you pick him up these next few weeks and for the Kansas city running backs, I do prefer McKinnon as well out of the two. But personally, I am not trying to pick up either Kansas City running back. And my reason for that is because Clyde Edwards Hilaire himself wasn't getting a ton of involvement anyways. And he was a first round pick. He was the starter. He was a much more talented player than both Williams or McKinnon. So if they already weren't giving him a lot of work, and now that small work that the running back position was getting is now going to be split between two guys already and their defense is going to be giving up a lot of points, so they're going to be throwing a lot to get back into games. We've seen that so far this season. I'm not, I mean, I would pick up McKinnon maybe for like the potential that he might have a breakout game where he catches a few touchdowns, but I would not be actively trying to, you know, seek either of these running backs or even think about starting them this week in fantasy. Yeah, so uh, to me, McKinnon is such a great receiver out of the backfield, and if Tyree Kills banged up. Kelsey's banged up. You know, I think they're going to play. Uh, I don't love the depth of receivers that, that Kansas City has. So uh, Mahomes got to find somebody. And so I, I think McKinnon coming out of the backfield could be uh, could be a possibility. So that's what I'm I'm convincing myself of. But but again, I would keep him on the bench at least. Let, let's see it. Let's see it play out. But at this point, we're we're rolling the dice on a lot of these guys. That's that that's just what we have to do as fantasy owners. And I think with running backs, it's worth like I, a lot of my benches are just filled with backup running backs because I'm hoping that one of them is going to pop. And and usually they do. Somebody's going to, and somebody's getting hurt every week. We see this. So, uh, so you got to load up on those guys versus keeping like the fifth wide. Re- if you have a fifth wide receiver on your bench, it's not worth it because that guy is replaceable on the waiver wire. There are tons of receivers out there that can, that can get you 10 points in your flex spot. Like it just, it, it, that's just the reality of it. So, uh, so anyway, uh, whereas running backs, I know in a lot of my leagues, it just gets so shallow. So you have to kind of stash them. You got to load up on the bench. So uh, go get McKinnon. Um, all right. Quarterbacks. I, I, I think investing in Carson Wentz is, is worth it. Uh, what about your, your boy, Taylor Heineke? I've, I've been hesitant to pull the trigger on him. Are you willing to invest in him? Yeah, so he had a really rough week this last week, which I think is going to stick in people's minds and maybe cause them not to want to pick up Taylor Heineke. But the three weeks before that, he balled out. He had, you know, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, 300 yards, 20-plus fantasy points in all of those games. And now he, like I said, he's going against a Kansas City defense, which is historically bad. I think you could pick him up and start him for this week. Maybe if your quarterback's on a bye or you just need someone to plug in. Um, for this week. I think he could be a one-week play. That would be nice. I don't think he's someone worth investing in for the whole season, but I would take my chances with, if I'm going to stream a quarterback just for this week, I would pick Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair. Like you gave the case for, with the, against the Chiefs. So uh, I'm scrambling because I have Ryan Tannehill and he gives me 13 points a week. So I'm looking at the waiver wire for a quarterback. And like I said earlier, I don't buy into the rookies. They tend to be uh, available, like I'm staring at Mac Jones. I'm thinking, oh, I can't do it. So 
it would be great to, to snag Heineke or Wentz. All right, let's uh, let's go to a new segment. Uh, at this point in the year, it's time to move on from certain players. We got to let them go. We got to let them walk the plank, cut them, move on. So uh, here we go. I, I would. I think that every, most everybody already agrees with this. But Texas running backs, Texans running backs, uh, Houston, get rid of them. You don't want any of those three guys. You're like looking at the waiver wire and you're like, ooh, Mark Ingram's available. So move along, move along, keep going. And if he's on your bench, move on, get rid of him. Uh, you also got Ronald Jones maybe sitting there and you're thinking, ooh, Tampa Bay, they're so awesome. Uh, maybe Ronald Jones will get a chance. Well, he's not. He's not playing well and just move on. Uh, and then here's a personal one for me. So, Curtis Samuel played a number of years for the Panthers. Well, I should say he was on the roster for a number of years. The guy's always hurt. And, and we talked about injuries earlier. You feel bad for guys that get injured, but I, 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 can't, I can't ride the wave of is Curtis Samuel going to play or not. So I'm moving on. I can't, I can't do that. So I'm, I'm yeah, out of I think I think this morning they just officially put him on IR. So I don't know how long he's going to be officially out for, but he's out now. Yeah, which is just, it's really tough for him in his career. But gosh, it's how brutal. it goes. There is talent. He was a second round pick, uh, but you got to move on. Same. So my, what I just said about Curtis Samuel, Kenny Galladay, I can't ride that wave anymore either. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? He hasn't been producing even when he does play. Unbelievably talented receiver. Unbelievably talented. He's not getting it done. He's always hurt. Um, and anybody else that you would let go of and time to move on from? Yeah, like I said uh, earlier, Trey Sermon, I would let go of. And the same thing, I think, with uh, – uh, rookie quarterback Trey Lance at San Francisco too. He's now injured out for the next two weeks, so I think any chance that he had of you know being a starter there too. is now gone. Yeah, he's on a bye week this week also. Um, and when you're talking about Kenny Galladay, another name who I wanted to bring up for the waiver wire who I think might be interesting is first round wide receiver this year, Kadarius Tony for the Giants. You know, he didn't really do anything the first three weeks of the season just because they had so many guys there and he was stuck on the Jeff chart. But now with Galladay out, Sterling Shepard's out, you know, he had 10 catches for 180 yards last game. And we don't really know what the situation is with Daniel Jones moving forward, whether he's going to play or if he's hurt. But I think he would be someone maybe to invest in and stash at the end of your bench if, you know, maybe that wasn't a fluke game. And now he takes over as the number one wide receiver in New York with Kenny Galladay, you know, banged up and playing really poorly. Yeah, so I, I think I said a few weeks ago, I don't want Giants players. I just don't trust them. I don't like the direction that team is heading. But there are some weeks where they they have production fantasy-wise. And Daniel Jones is actually <laughs> producing decent numbers. It's it's hard to to uh, criticize him. But um, I it to me, it's one of those teams that, that it's a mystery every week. But you make a good case for uh, Kadarius Toney because he's, he's played well. He, he looked good uh, against Dallas. So... Uh, strong performance. All right, uh, let's see. What else do we need to do before we get out of here? Um, peace or panic? Damian Harris, panic. I'm very worried. He hasn't had the big game. He's fumbled now in two key spots. Uh, definitely a panic for for him. Um, Allen Robinson in Chicago. Uh, we've been wondering about him. He's a big-time player. Like, we saw Robert Woods finally flip in, in L.A., uh, to me, Allen Robinson was kind of in that same category with Woods. But but now through five weeks, we haven't seen Allen Robinson make the jump. And so definitely panic yeah. there. I'm uh, officially then- panicked on him. Yeah, because I think the difference between him and, him and Woods was Woods is part of an elite offense 
with Matthew Stafford and Allen Robinson really isn't. So if he's not even going to be the top target there, that it's not worth starting him anymore in fantasy. And then TJ Hawkinson, definitely panic. I talked about him today. I, I uh, Detroit, one of those teams too, you just can't figure out. So uh, it's, it's, it's concerning. Uh, last one, piece or panic, uh, Stefan Diggs. Maybe not lighten it up like many fantasy owners expected him to. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a panic, but it is a little concerning the uh, slow start he's had to the season because it was something that you talked about last week with DeAndre Hopkins about they have so many weapons there now. He can't really dominate the targets like he did in the past. Like, you know, Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders, like there's so many guys for Josh Allen to throw the ball to that Stephon Diggs isn't getting those 10 target games anymore. And, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins turned it around this week. He had the big touchdown catch. So I think there's still weeks where Stephon Diggs will be good. But I don't think he has that top five wide receiver upside that we thought he was going to have going into the season. Yeah, I, I didn't draft him, so I'm not I'm not too surprised. But um, th- the thing is, he's going to have some big weeks in, in store because because Buffalo is not going anywhere and he'll 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 get his. He's kind of a guy you, you probably could buy low. I'd also go buy low on any Chiefs players if, if if that was the case. But they they carry a lot of hype because they're on the Chiefs. But there's you could maybe finagle even a Mahomes or somebody to uh, after after that yeah. loss. Yeah, I think a buy low on like Kelsey or Hill would be tough. But Patrick Mahomes, especially because there's so many other great fantasy quarterbacks this year. I mean, you look at like Herbert and Kyler and Jalen Hurts has played well. And there's so many other guys who were taken after Mahomes who have been good for fantasy that maybe you could go get him. And I, I would look to do that if you're not giving up too much. All right, last thing before we get out of here. We got to give you your 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 one hit wonder of the week, our one hit wonder of the week, and and so this is a a player that we think is a one hit wonder fantasy wise. They just had one catch, one touchdown type of thing, and then we'll give you a song, uh, one of our favorite one hit wonders in music history. So this guy's name is Michael Pruitt. That's right, tight end for the Titans out of Southern Illinois. One target, one touchdown. For 14 yards, and the the Tennessee Titans, another very frustrating team. Uh, they have no receivers. Uh, Derrick Henry does it all, and Tannehill's just back there running for his life, trying to look for somebody. But he found Michael Pruitt. <laughs> what a legend! Very cool. Uh, he's 29 years old, so I'm, I think at this point we would know if he was uh, an elite tight end. Uh, I don't think he is, but good for him to get into the end zone. And I got to take take us back music wise. To the summer of, this was probably about 2000 or 1999, maybe late 90s, Smash Mouth All-Star. That's right. I think of myself at the summer at the pool, hanging out, loving life, no worries, listening to Smash Mouth over the loudspeakers. Hey, now you're an all-star. Still still holds up. Can't, can't, can't not smile when that comes on uh, wherever you are. That, uh, you can play that anywhere. That's... That music, that, that uh, uh, what do you call it? environment, any environment you're in, you throw on Smash Mouth, people will roll their eyes. But then once the, once it, once the beat goes, you're like, yeah, I guess it's not that bad. So there you go. All right, what's your one, one hit wonder? My one hit wonder for the week is tight end for the Chicago Bears, Jesper Horstead. This was his first catch <laughs> of the season. Name. Another great name, fantastic name. Goes for a two-yard touchdown only catch of the season and what's even more funny about this to me is we talk about the Chicago Bears and fantasy wise we're all hoping 
that Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet, your favorite tight end of the season, was going to break out and catch so many touchdowns from Justin Fields. But right now, the only touchdown pass Justin Fields has thrown in the NFL has been caught by Jesper Horstead, who I don't think (laughs) anyone has in fantasy football. If you do, props to you. But Uh, that's just really funny to me. Um, And my song for this week is Gangnam Style by Psy. Hit back in 2012. You know, kind of annoying song, not my favorite song. But I remember how wildly popular it was just everywhere. And I looked. 4.2 4.2 billion views on oh. YouTube, billion with a B, wow. which just blows my mind that that song had 4.2 billion views. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get why it was catchy or whatever, but yeah, that that, that to me doesn't hold up. I, don't, I haven't really heard that in a while. Like at least, hey, now you're an all star. That's popping up somewhere, but I don't hear game of style too often. But that's a good one hit wonder to remember. I like it to go with Horstead. What a name. What a legend. All right. Speaking of legends, Harrison Zuckerberg, great job today. Fun show. This has been the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan and a fantasy owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. If you haven't gotten your Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook, you can find that on Amazon or FantasyFootballFellowship.com. If you ever want to join us for a Fantasy Football Fellowship video call, we'd love to have you join us on a Thursday at noon Eastern. You can email me, Bryce, at UnpackingIt.com. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the games. We get the Bucks on Thursday night. Great way to start the, uh, the Fantasy Weekend. Enjoy. We'll talk about it next Tuesday right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast.